In my travels this year to different places here in the United States and also in Europe or Mexico, I've noticed a trend that as I would go to these places and I'd look around the churches, I inevitably would find a saint that was unknown to me, and I would want to know more about their story. And usually there was a symbol that they were holding, and it was very curious to me. It was typically a Eucharistic symbol. And knowing that the bishops in the United States were going to call for a three-year Eucharistic revival of leading people to a greater knowledge and love of the Holy Eucharist, I became curious then about these saints and why they were holding what they were holding and what that might mean. In our reading today from the letter to the Hebrews, it says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and That's really how I felt in these travels, that I was surrounded by the greatness of Eucharistic saints, even though I might not have known their stories. In the Basilica Church of St. Augustine, Florida, the very first parish church in the United States of America, St. Augustine is the oldest city in the United States, they have a little chapel set aside for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. So the Eucharist placed in a monstrance, people praying in silence there for a few minutes or maybe for a full hour. And in that little chapel of the Blessed Sacrament, they have some mosaics on the wall. And in the one right-hand side, there was this mosaic. Our Lady was in the middle. St. Claire of Assisi was on the right. And then there was this tiny little girl who was there on the left of the Blessed Mother. I wanted to know who that little girl was, and so I posted it on social media, and someone told me, well, that's St. Imelda. I didn't know much about St. Imelda, but the story of this young little girl, she grew up in a very devout household, a family that prayed and went to Mass, and everything of that sort, so much so that at the very young age of nine years, she told her family, I want to go and become a nun. Now, in the village that they lived, there was uh, a Dominican order of sisters, and the sisters very graciously allowed this nine-year-old girl to move into the monastery, and in a sense, they raised her in the faith. Now, for St. Imelda, as she lived day and night in this monastery, as she prayed alongside the nuns, and when they would go to Mass and they would go receive communion, she had this great longing and this great desire to receive Holy Communion. But she wasn't yet of the age to do so, because at that time it was uh, much older, in your teenage years, that you would receive Holy Communion. But Constantly, She would pray in the church and in the chapel, and she would ask the Lord to one day permit her to receive the Holy Eucharist. Now, the nuns really wouldn't relent. They said, you're too young. You can't receive the Eucharist yet. And then it was on the vigil night of the Ascension that Imelda was sitting in the chapel praying after the sisters received communion. And then after Mass... She was seen in the chapel, 
and there a host was elevated above her head with glowing light around it. The priest, who was the chaplain for the nuns, understood that that Imelda was to make her first Holy Communion. So she had this great longing, this great desire all throughout her life to receive Holy Communion. And now today she's the patron saint of First Communicants. When I was in Garimbendal, Spain, there was a high altar in the church. And above the tabernacle, they had a statue and a little niche. And again, a very curious figure to me. I wasn't sure who he was. And so I asked one of the local people, well, who is that saint above the altar there? And they told me, well, that is Saint Raymond Nonatus. Again, I knew nothing about Saint Raymond Nonatus. And as I researched him, he's got an interesting story. He became a religious uh, with the Mercedarian Order, so it's called the Our Lady of Mercy. That's the religious community he joined. They had an outreach to slaves uh, at that time and all throughout the world. And so uh, he ministered to them. Now, when St. Raymond Nonatus was dying, the Lord appeared to him and gave him his last Holy Communion, or what we would call Viaticum. So typically, St. Raymond Nonatus is pictured sometimes with a monstrance or with a ciborium in his hand. That after a life faithfully lived in the service of the Lord, the Lord himself wanted him to be fortified by the Blessed Sacrament. Now, in Mexico City, I encountered two different saints. One of them was named St. Toribio Romo. I was staying at a seminary there, and uh, the rector of the seminary took me to this little chapel. They had an image of St. Toribio, and also a relic, so a piece of his bone or clothing or something like that. And one of the very first things they remarked about St. Toribio was he had a great devotion to the Holy Eucharist. And I was curious. I wanted to know more about him. But the only thing that I found online, I found lots about him and kind of why the Mexican people have a great devotion to him. But the one line about the Eucharist and biography after biography was, St. Toribio had a strong devotion to the Eucharist. And the same was true for this other saint that I encountered in some random church in Mexico City. As my two priest friends and I were walking throughout the city, we would typically, if we saw a church, we would just go in and look around, see if it was a beautiful church, what was in there, and of course, to make a visit ourselves before the tabernacle and the Blessed Sacrament. And so in this random church in Mexico City, there was a statue of St. Juan de Sahagan. Not sure if that's how you say it, but St. Juan, again, a saint that has a monstrance in his hand. And I said, well, who is this Eucharistic saint? And similar in my research, similar to St. Toribio, known for his devotion to the Holy Eucharist. They didn't necessarily describe it or explain it anymore, except that they were known to love the Holy Eucharist. 
I can only imagine what devotion to the Holy Eucharist means, but just from the outset, my interpretation would be that while they frequently received Holy Communion, maybe in their youth, and then they become priests, and so they celebrated Mass, they ensured that people would receive the Holy Eucharist, that they probably had a strong belief in the presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, that they preached about it fervently and strongly, that they would make visits to the parish church or wherever they were to pray before the tabernacle. Maybe they promoted adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, that that's probably what devotion to the Holy Eucharist meant for them. And then finally, on our little bus trip to Chicago with uh, some of our parishioners, we went to this Basilica of the Seven Sorrows. It was a basilica that's run by the Servite Order, and they were telling us the story about the foundation of their order. They were founded by seven holy men. And then eventually there was a woman branch of that order, and there was a saint, one of the, one of the principal members of that order, St. Juliana Falconieri. And St. Juliana, in this church of the Basilica of the Seven Sorrows, there was a mural of her on, uh, in the sanctuary. And it was a very curious image. St. Juliana had the, there, there was the Eucharist somewhere near her. A priest was there attending to her as if to give the last rites. According to the story, Juliana uh, was unable to receive Holy Communion at her death uh, because of vomiting and things of that nature, because of her sickness, the extent of it. And out of her faith in the Holy Eucharist, she requested the priest to take a corporal, so a cloth that's placed on the altar, to lay it on her chest, and then to place the Eucharistic host on that corporal. And after the priest did that at her request, the host disappeared, and Juliana then died. And what was known is that the image of a cross, just like the one on the host, was found on her body after her death. So she had this great longing to receive the Lord, just as even during the COVID-19 pandemic, when churches were closed and such, there was a longing to receive the Eucharist. So we made spiritual communions, and here the Lord allows her to have that final Eucharistic reception before her death. So these saints, five of them that I've briefly mentioned, were individuals I discovered, never knew anything about, but yet their devotion to the Holy Eucharist is inspirational. What God did for them, inspiring as well. And for us then, as we hear the stories of different saints, they can help us in our faith and in our love of the Lord. Today, we can be surrounded by a cloud of Eucharistic witnesses who loved Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And we can ask them to help to deepen our faith and devotion to Jesus, who is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, who is received in Holy Communion, who is reposed in the tabernacle and adored on the altar.